0: Let's get started. On the last couple of weeks, I have been out of town. And Aaron um, spoke, he spoke um, a two-part series called Blessed to be a Blessing, about what it means to be blessed and what it means to bless others. And he just had me on this idea of thinking about blessing. And so I started thinking about the Sermon on the Mount. And the Beatitudes, also known as the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about blessed are, he gives eight blessings. So I've been thinking a lot about this, but I do want to make, clarify one thing. Aaron used a great analogy about what a great gift giver he was, but it was kind of not. (laughs) How all those years he would, he needed to learn how to give gifts that would be a blessing. And I was like, yes, there were a lot of bad gifts, but there were a lot of good gifts. So I just wanted to go on the record around here that he's a good gift giver. (laughs) So, and I'm so thankful for him, but it was a good analogy for, for what he was trying to communicate. So listen to those podcasts if you haven't heard them yet. But um, I've been gone the last couple of weeks because I've been at a couple of events, and a lot of you have asked me about those events and how they went. And God really used these events to just kind of—he's doing something in me deep in my gut— um, and I'm emotional about it, and so I'm really asking the Lord. And I've been emotional about it for two weeks, and so it's like it's not just being tired. It's like God is just deeping compassion deep inside of me, and it and it's part of my experience of going to these events. So for the last year, two years almost, we have been gathering in small groups. And both of these events were very large groups. So the first event was called a Multiply Goodness Jubilee event. And it happened at Thanksgiving point. And it was over a thousand women, mostly LDS, but also Christian women gathering together to worship and study scripture together. And and I got to participate in it and I got to speak a bit at it. And being at that event, with, I haven't been with a thousand people for a couple of years now. And um, because I spoke, a lot of people approached me and talked with me. And I was quite overwhelmed by the need there. Even one of my daughter's high school friends was there with her mother. And I had been praying for that girl as she led a memorial for a former football player at my kid's school, Jordan High School down the street who had been shot and killed. And these are the kind of people that were at this event. My friends, my kids' friends, my friends from years ago, people I don't know coming up to me just in tears saying, I can't even talk to you, but thank you. That's all they said. They just said, I can't talk to you, but thank you. And so I was just in the midst of this crowd of people with so much need and pain, and it just... God's compassion for people overwhelmed me in that place. My friend came, and she's an incredible writer, and she posted this to an online forum she's part of. She's part of Mormon Women for Ethical Government. That's where she posted this. She said, I came. I needed peace, even for a few moments Like so many of you, of us, my heart is full of sorrow. There's been anger and bitterness in my heart for the past year and longer, sometimes fear and hopelessness, but now there is mostly just sorrow. Sorrow for disease, sorrow for violence, sorrow for division and polarization, sorrow for distrust and misunderstanding, sorrow for humanity a lot of us are carrying that if if we're honest right a lot of us are carrying that these days we need a breath we need a breath from heaven to fill us and buoy us up Amen. through this time then i went to david's tent in england and none of us have been traveling right the last couple of years and it was quite a feat for me to get there i'm part of this organization there um, i support it i'm on the board so I made an effort, and it took a lot to get there, and it took the effort of my family to send me as well, so I made it. I got there, and England handled COVID very differently than America did, and for a lot of people, there were over 5,500 people at this event, and for most of them, they hadn't been in a big group setting either, so it was like they were coming out of hibernation, right, out of lockdown. They call it. I forget what they call it there, but they were coming out and they're coming to this event and it was mostly the hung. I met a lot of hungry people again, um, just lots of hungry people, a woman who um, was fighting agoraphobia, which is you feel um, afraid in enclosed spaces. And she asked me to pray for her because she wanted to go in the tent, but she was afraid to go in the tent. And so I prayed for her. And then I didn't see her till a couple days later. And I'll tell you what happened a little bit with that. But um, it was like all these people from all over England assembled in this spot and brought their hearts before the Lord in worship. It was so powerful, so amazing. There was, um, this was while um, everything was going on in Afghanistan, right? So one day we're we're pouring out our tears before the Lord for what has happened in England. The next day we're praying and interceding for Afghanistan. Um, I was helping a friend, Eric Sandor, some of you have met him. For three days in a row, he led people talking about a a theology for suffering. And he was trying to encourage them in their suffering, encourage them in their sorrow, encourage them in their pain. And so um, his wife had died of cancer, leaving him with four school-age children. His best friend died six months later of cancer. And here's this man encouraging and rallying. These wounded people, we can make it, we can go, God is with us. In the middle of David's tent, this this choir came to worship, to lead us in worship. And I'd heard about this choir. It was the choir who um, sang at Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's wedding. And I was like, oh, that choir is coming to David's tent? Well, this should be fun, this should be cool. Can't wait to see that. But frankly, I was just kind of expecting beautiful music and we would have a great time of worship, but I, maybe this is my cynicism with the media and the royal family, I don't know, but I wasn't expecting much. <laughs> this choir gets up and starts singing and this woman comes into the middle of the, the stage and she's like, we're gonna grieve folks, it's time to grieve. <laughs> And she just starts leading us all in tears and mourning and grief. And she's like, Sometimes you gotta groan. Sometimes you gotta moan. Imagine,
1: you know, 5,500 people crying and pouring out their heart before the Lord.
0: And then she transitioned us into joy. And she said, can you believe that God could hold joy and pain, that we can bring joy and pain to God at the same time? Do you believe that we can cry and we can sing? And and this is a rip-roaring choir, like a gospel choir. They are just going after it. And pretty soon we're singing that old song, Ancient of Days. (laughs) And dance erupts in this place. And I'm like, how did we go from mourning to dancing? It's the power of Jesus. It's the power of God. I met the woman (laughs) with agoraphobia. I said, I thought I heard you. I thought I saw you in the tent. I said, was that you? And she said, well, she said, this is what I figured out. She said, I can't come into the tent in the day when everybody's there, but I can go at night when it's emptier. And it's been amazing. And the smile on her face was from here to here. This is a woman poor in spirit who encountered the presence of God in the midst of her suffering. Somehow, this is what my friend Sissy said about the Jubilee in Lehi, and I want to talk about how God can, can bless us in the midst of trouble and suffering. Um, the other thing that happened at this big event in Thanksgiving Point is after a couple hours, we were all worshiping. We were singing Waymaker and what a beautiful name. And within five minutes, Jill was there. <laughs> she knows what happened. It was crazy. A giant wind... A hurricane-like winds and rain rushed through all of Thanksgiving Point. There were power outages. I mean, the worship leaders are playing their song, and the event organizers are just get up on the stage, and one of them's just crying because they've worked so hard for this event. And she says, I'm sorry, we have to evacuate. <laughs> and so we evacuated this giant event. Monica was there too. We evacuated, trying to... I'm so thankful my mom and Kay had already left because we were all looking out for everyone because branches, tent, everything was flying everywhere and no one got hurt, what a miracle. But this is what my friend Sissy said about the event. She said, despite the disappointment of our abrupt ending, I can't get that feeling of peace out of my mind, I'm making a long story short, but she encountered the peace of God there. She said, there is still sorrow upon sorrow, every day piled unbearably high. And when it threatens to make me want to run away and hide, I make myself wait and remember the peace of Jesus Christ, the peace of true testimony and love, the peace of gathering to build bridges and find common ground.
1: It's a small thing, but enough i know this is a woman who's working really hard in her realm of political influence and she's looking for peace and jesus gave it to her
0: somehow eric sandor our friend in england despite raising four kids on his own Grappling with a theology of suffering. Somehow he is able to minister to other people who are suffering. There was a woman I prayed for in his session who had just lost her kids to DCFS. Another mechanic who's seething with anger in his small town somewhere up north in England. You know, I just, person after person saying, This is hard. Life is hard. And they're coming and they're saying, Jesus. Will you bless us? And he does. This is a mystery to me. This is a mystery to me. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, are a mystery to me. I don't understand them, but I know they're Jesus' flag, one of his flagship sermons. They're like the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount, the Great Commission, you know, These are, you know, Nicodemus, this is one of his most important messages that he preaches to us. It's about being blessed in these very difficult places. So I'm going to read these blessings to you, but I want to set them up just a little bit. Jesus, Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount. So does Luke, but we're going to use Matthew today. Matthew comes And he's writing to the Jewish people, right? Who are ready for the Messiah to come and free them from the Romans. And Matthew's writing to those people. And he starts out the first three chapters outline how Jesus is a son of Abraham, a son of David. Jesus is a teacher like Moses. And Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the first three chapters of Matthew the opening book to the New Testament. Then chapter four outlines how the Holy Spirit takes Jesus out to the wilderness and Jesus is prepared. He, he confronts Satan and he's resists temptation and he's going into ministry. And then chapter four outlines the rest of Jesus's ministry. And chapter 4, he calls his disciples, and it says this is his clear mission. He says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, the kingdom of heaven has come near. And you hear that phrase over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in the Gospels. Turn from your ways, turn to me, because I have the kingdom of heaven for you. That's what Jesus says Matthew 4 19. So he tells you, he makes this declaration, the kingdom of heaven is here. And then he says, come follow me, come follow me. And you'll learn what it's like to be part of the kingdom. So right after we know his clear mission, repent, the kingdom of heaven is here. And then we know he says, come, he invites us to follow him. And then Matthew 4 23, what does Jesus do next? This is Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogue. So he's gone to all the religious places, the churches, like this could be like a synagogue. And he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And he's healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spreads all over Syria. I mean, the news about him goes everywhere and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering with severe pain. How many of us here? How many of us listening? We've got severe pain. The demon possessed. How many of us are tormented? Those of us having seizures. How many of us experienced seizures, paralyzed, and he healed them? large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now let's keep the screen up for a minute, Grace. Matthew is being so specific here, and I know Aaron has spoken about this a lot in the past, but I just, this is on my heart to speak again. So here we are.
1: Matthew is so specific to name the different types of people that are following Jesus.
0: People in pain, people in trouble, the down
1: and outs, the people paralyzed people, tormented people. People from the backwoods of Galilee.
0: Think of the people that you might despise the most or think the least of. Oh, those people over there, over the hills, wherever it is, that small town, wherever it is, those people. People from the Decapolis. The Decapolis was where all the pagan gods, oh, the pagans, the people following all those false gods. Oh, the people in Jerusalem, the religious folks, the educated, the elite, probably the wealthy in Jerusalem. And the region across the Jordan, we're covering everything, even everything over
1: there, over across Jordan. They followed him. Jesus, when he saw the crowds, that's what I
0: feel like I experienced in England. That's what I felt like I, what I experienced in um, um, I, I mean, I can hardly in jubilee, but it's also like I go to an RSL game or something and I get like, oh, the crowds, I could just feel the pain in the auditor in the arena, you know. And how does Jesus respond to the crowds? He heals them, he touches them, but this time he goes up into the mountainside and he sits down like a rabbi does and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. So. His disciples meant anyone who wanted to learn from him and follow him. Matthew hadn't outlined who the disciples were yet. So those disciples could have been those people from Jerusalem, people from the Decapolis, people from over the other side of the Jordan, the paralyzed, the tormented. And he gathers them and he begins this message. Now, he starts it with the word blessed. There's lots of controversy about how to translate this word blessed. Some people say that word means happy, like happy are those. Other people are like, that doesn't convey what Jesus was trying to say. Um, The Bema podcast, I like to listen to that and get commentary from them. They would translate it, God's favor is on those. Um, N.T. Wright would say, wonderful news for those. Um, Eugene Peterson said, lucky are you? (laughs) Nobody like that. You can't say lucky. (laughs) Happy, blessed, God's favor is on those. Wonderful news for, so let's read it. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who
1: were before you. Okay, how do these blessings work? Here are some of my questions.
0: Are the Beatitudes, are these blessings kind of a spin on suffering? A little bit like, oh, you're blessed if you're bald. You don't have to pay for haircuts. (laughs) No. (laughs) One time when Caleb was little, (laughs) this is one of our favorite stories. There was a man sitting at the back. Caleb was real little, like three or four, so very little. And he's just staring at this man. He had a bald head just staring at this bald, shiny head. And the man looked at him and said, "Uh, do you want to touch it? (laughs) And and Caleb said, yes. And he he reached up and he rubbed the guy's head. And the guy said, yeah, I know, I'm bald. (laughs) And Caleb said, well, that's okay. At least you're fat. I know that's, that's, that's a little, that's just one of our favorite family series. There goes Caleb. <laughs> is that what the Beatitudes are? Is that what these sermons, these blessings are? Is kind of a spin on our suffering? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Are they, um, are they goals for us? A lot of, there's a lot of controversy about this. A lot of commentators and even translators think they're goals for us. And so, you know, you can study this out. I, I encourage you to study these scriptures and see what people say about them and wrestle with them and ask the Lord to tell you what they mean for you, right? But I don't, I don't think so. Should we want to be poor in spirit so God can bless us? Or does God want, does Jesus want us to mourn all the time, or does he want us to be lacking in righteousness? No, I don't think these are relationship goals with God. (laughs) These are not our relationship goals. Because Jesus doesn't tell us that we should try and be poor or mourn all the time. I think these blessings are a proclamation, a declaration that God is with us when we find ourselves in these places. Or when we journey with people through these places. I think this is wonderful news. This is good news. Jesus is with us. The kingdom of heaven is with us when we're in this place. So there was a long tradition in Jewish culture, in the Torah, in the Psalms of reasons we were blessed. Think about Deuteronomy 28, a long chapter on God's blessings. And it says, all these blessings are going to come on you when you obey the Lord your God. Think of Psalm 1. It says, blessed are the ones who walk in the, who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but who delight themselves in the law of the Lord. Psalm 119 says, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his ways and his statues and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong and follow his ways. So To the listeners, when they hear Jesus starting to talk about blessing the people who are blessed, they're thinking of all the people who obeyed God's laws and did what he told them to do, and were doing the right things and sowing good seed, the good people. And, And they are blessed, right? We are blessed when we follow God's ways, and I encourage you to do so. But the Sermon on the Mount, these blessings... Jesus is, ma- is making a different statement. These are surprise blessings. Wait a minute.
1: There are blessings for the rest of us? <laughs> Jesus is making a statement that God's blessing is on the people
0: that the world thinks, or maybe we think, are missing out, don't
1: get it. There's something wrong with them, they're broken. He's making a statement to those crowds of
0: broken people from all those places. This is an upside down reversal of what has been understood at the time. And with each blessing, there's a present and future tense with Jesus's words. Yours is the kingdom now. And hang in there. You will be comforted. You will be filled. You will inherit. So the kingdom of heaven is for you right now, but also hang in there because you will receive. You will. Don't give up. N.T. Wright says this is an announcement, not a philosophical analysis of the world. It's about something that is starting to happen. Not necessarily about a general truth of life. It is gospel. It's good news, not good advice. I think it's also good advice, but
1: (laughs) it's good news. So let's look quickly at each one of these blessings. The first one, blessed are
0: the poor in spirit. Good news for you if you're poor in spirit. Is he talking about the economically poor, the ones who are down and out with no money, no no, um, status? The Greeks had a word for the working poor and the truly poor. And
1: Jesus uses the word for the truly poor. But it's not just the economically poor. It's
0: also the spiritually poor. Lots of commentators like to use the word, the spiritual zeros. I don't, I, I've never heard that term before, but I kept seeing it over and over and over again. The people who have nothing spiritually. Sometimes, haven't we all come to church sometimes being like, I have nothing. I'm here today to worship, and me just being here is what God gets and what we get as a community, sometimes we come as spiritually poor.
1: Who is Jesus speaking to? He's speaking to both, economically and spiritually poor. That unfavorable
0: position we find ourselves in when we just feel like we have nothing,
1: Jesus comes and he says, I'm coming to you first. Yours is the kingdom of heaven. blessed are good news for those of you who mourn. And I think this is the one that makes me cry because I just have experienced so many people mourning lately. Jesus is coming to you and he's saying, I see you when you grieve the loss of
0: those you love. And when you don't just deny the loss or fill your life with distractions to cover it up from the pain or the evil or the brokenness and the hurt around you, but when you lean into the pain and you acknowledge it, Jesus is there for you. What have we done this weekend with 9-11, right? All our flags, the flags in Sandy Centennial Parkway, we're mourning the loss of that time, and when we do that collectively, when we do that, we allow the Holy Spirit to come in and comfort us because we're, we're being honest. We're, we're, it's like we're being honest about where we're at. A couple of us, a few of us went yesterday um, from this church, and then a whole bunch of us from five churches went down to the Topaz internment camp during World War II. I didn't know this And I don't think, because I was part of the organizing team, I don't know if our team knew it because nobody highlighted it. But the the Topaz internment camp was what happened during World War II when all the Japanese Americans were evacuated out of the West Coast and put in camps beyond the West Coast. And 120,000 people were displaced and put in camps. And one of them was in Topaz, Utah. And I didn't realize that Topaz opened on September 11. And so we're down there on September 11, and we're remembering, and we had Japanese people with us whose families had been there, and we were mourning with them what they went through being there. When we do that, we give space for the Lord to comfort us. When that kingdom choir opened up space in worship for Representatives from all over England and the UK and Wales and Scotland,
1: when they opened it up, we were able to mourn and then the Holy Spirit could comfort. Jesus could
0: comfort us. Good news for the meek. What is meekness? It's restrained power, bridled power. Sometimes we have Power and we have self-control and we are meek because we're controlling ourselves and we're we are, um, submitting our power. Other times, our power is oppressed by others, like the Japanese American interns. Sometimes um, meekness means our power has been made null and we don't have influence. We don't have significance. But right here is where Jesus's power, spiritual power comes in. Jesus comes to us and says, my favor is with you. I see you. I see where you're at. And here's a promise. You're
1: going to inherit the earth. When you feel powerless, Jesus is offering us the kingdom of heaven. Good news for those who hunger and thirst for righteousness.
0: Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. When we're hungry and thirsty, it means we don't have food in our stomach. (laughs) We don't have something to drink. It means we're missing something, right? We're craving something. I'm going to make you all ready for lunch right now, right? (laughs) What does it mean to be hungry and thirsty for righteousness? What is righteousness? Righteousness is being right with God. He clothes us in robes of righteousness to tell us that we can be right with him. And we act in righteousness towards others when we have right relationship with one another. That's why if I'm lying to someone, it's not an act of righteousness because it doesn't make our relationship whole
1: and right. Right? So, people who hunger and thirst for righteousness are asking
0: for things to be made right between God and us, and us and others. It's like the first command, the greatest commandment love God and love others. When we love God and love others, there's righteousness, things are right.
1: When to do an act of righteousness is to create a right relationship between two parties. To hunger
0: and thirst for righteousness is to be upset because we crave to be made right for God or with others around me. I am hungering and thirsting for righteousness right now. I have relationships that aren't right. And I've been upset about it for a long time. How many of us have family members that we might be estranged from or relationships from way back
1: that aren't right I hunger and I thirst for righteousness. And my promise is that I'm going to be filled, that Jesus is
0: going to fill it. I don't know how he's going to do it, guys. I don't have this figured out. That's It almost makes me nervous to even preach about it because I'm like, Lord, I don't know this, but I know these are Jesus's words. And so I know we need to we need to chew on them meditate on them wrestle with them so i bring them to you as an offering today to say let's
1: let's wrestle with these blessings let's let's figure out this good news together amen um two two of the
0: um guests or two of the um tour guides at topaz had grown up in Delta, and their families were at the Museum of Topazes, and so they'd grown up in relationship with Japanese people who had been interred there, and they're now, I think, probably in their 60s, maybe 70s, um, Crystal's family. Crystal has family
1: who were born there, right, or they lived there as small children, <laughs> and there's this when you hear these um, these um, tour guides tell
0: their stories, this passion wells up in them. There's a hunger and thirst because they loved these, these Japanese people that they have relationship with. And they don't ever want that unrighteousness to happen again in culture. They don't ever want something like that to happen again. And so they're passionate. They have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I just wanted to be like, you're going to be filled. The kingdom of heaven is for you. You're going to be filled. And you could see that they were blessed. They loved telling us the stories because it was like they were spreading the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> now here's a transition. The first blessings are for those who are experiencing brokenness. And I, and, I, and I don't think it's this cut and dry, but the second set of blessings are for those of us who dare to try and minister to those who are broken. Because that's just as hard, <laughs> isn't it? Maybe harder, I don't know. I don't want to put any quality, I don't want to qualify anybody's pain. Because <laughs> it's all painful, Right. <laughs> but now it transitions to those who are trying to show mercy blessed are the merciful there's good news for you when you try to be merciful to be merciful is to be compassionate and to show forgiveness towards someone with whom with, to people you could actually potentially
1: harm or punish even because they've done wrong maybe Being merciful is not easy. (laughs) It means you're paying attention to the brokenness of the
0: world. And you're trying to extend mercy to people.
1: When's the last time you extended mercy to someone? Think about it. When is the last time I've extended mercy to someone? How easy was it? (laughs) I'm guessing it was not easy. (laughs) This is your promise when you extend mercy. You will be shown mercy. Blessed are you, blessed are the merciful, and you will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. I still, I'm wrestling with this one.
0: I'd love more insight. I studied it quite a bit and I'm still learning. But this is my understanding today. Maybe it'll change tomorrow. (laughs) You don't care about impressing others. You're without guile. You're not cunning or plotting.
1: This is hard work. (laughs) Having pure motives Oh my goodness, it is hard work. And it's work that God would have us do.
0: It's getting before God and others to get our mind and our heart right, to getting our interior motives right. It's not easy. (laughs) It's not popular. It's often a solitary work, right? Where we spend time with the Lord and we say, Search me, try me, know my thoughts. Know my heart,
1: but blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Nobody likes
0: the peacemakers. (laughs) Because they're trying to get two sides to come together, right? They, they talked about this at Topaz yesterday too. Some of the Japanese Americans wanted to fight and some didn't want to fight. And if you didn't fight, then you were a traitor. And if you, didn't, if you did fight, you were causing too much trouble. And, and the peacemakers would come in and be like, wait, wait, we've got to figure this out. That's miserable work because <laughs> both sides are mad at you. The other day we were at a football, Caleb's football game, Friday night lights, so much fun. And right. the all the homecoming festivities and just three rows down from us, four rows down from us, all of a sudden a fight breaks out. And I'm like, what is happening? It scares me. And all of a sudden Aaron is running down in there and it's just, two kids throwing punches at each other, but I was like, ah, don't do that. (laughs) And Tammy's husband is running down and Tammy's yelling at her husband. (laughs) We're all just yelling, what's going on here? And then they take off and the police officers run off. And we know the police officers because we know our high school, it's officer hoops. God bless you, officer hoops. And I know him because he knows my son and we've built... I actually, he doesn't know me. I only know him because of Caleb, but I know who he is. And, he, and he's just talking with students and he's talking with people. He's being a peacemaker and he's trying to, he's trying, blessed
1: are you officer hoops, <laughs> you be called a child of God. You know, he's being a peacemaker And then, no surprise, blessed are those who are persecuted because
0: of righteousness. It's almost like Jesus is saying, you're blessed because you're actually going to be persecuted for pursuing these things. You're going to be persecuted for pursuing mercy. You could be persecuted for trying to be pure in heart. You could be persecuted for being a peacemaker. You could be persecuted for just trying to follow Jesus's ways, walking in the way of Jesus
1: may bring persecution, but yours is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says it again. Oh, I already read that one. (laughs) Rejoice
0: and be glad because your reward is in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. One of my favorite things to do at David's tent with that worshiping community and with you right here in this place is to worship with you because I know you are peacemakers, because I know you are merciful because I know you might be poor in spirit, because I know you might be sick, you might be tormented, you might be from the Decapolis or from Judea. (laughs) But you're walking in the way of Jesus and we get to worship together and we get to enter into the kingdom of heaven together. And we have a reward. When I worshiped at David's tent, I knew there were people worshiping who'd lost who've been through traumatic accidents, people who were sick, worship leaders who couldn't even walk would get up on the stage and worship. One woman hobbling up on the stage, and then she gets up there and she just gives all her worship Two women. Eric, having lost his, fam- his wife, worshiping with all his heart. You hear I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but you are worshiping, (laughs) and it's so beautiful to worship with you. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. We get to be part of the kingdom of heaven. It's an upside-down world. When we follow Jesus and enter his kingdom, we become a people who intuitively begin to understand the upside-down, reversed value system of the kingdom of God, the way of Jesus. It's a spiritual kingdom we're entering. Remember Nicodemus, the religious leader who comes to Jesus, and he says, and Jesus says to him, he says, you don't get to see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. And Nicodemus says, how can I do this? Nicodemus is thinking of a physical birth. And we know, we know, um, well, hold on. He's thinking of a physical birth. And Jesus says, no, it's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. The kingdom is a spiritual reality, not a physical one. Sometimes I absolutely believe God wants to bring healing. God wants to bring deliverance. God wants to bring abundance. God wants to bring wholeness and peace. And we contend for that in this place. And we want to see people set free, see people healed, see people made whole, see people reconciled, see people walk abundantly, financially, physically, spiritually. But it it begins with a spiritual birth. It begins with being born again and that's who the kingdom comes to. He comes to us before we're born again, before we have it figured out, before we understand how to mourn all of those things. Jesus comes to us and says, the kingdom of heaven is here for you now. I'd like to finish with prayer, if you, if you wouldn't all mind
1: standing with me. I'm just going to finish with prayer So, Lord, we just come to you, Jesus.
0: We thank you for the good news. We thank you for the hope
1: that if we are poor in spirit, you are with us. You will bless us. Ours is the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Lord, for those who mourn in this place.
0: Thank you that when we mourn, there's good news for us. We will be comforted Thank you, Lord, for your comfort.
1: Lord, for those who are meek and feel powerless. Thank you that we have a kingdom
0: that doesn't fade, that we have a kingdom that is a kingdom of heaven and that
1: your kingdom is for us. That you have spiritual power for us. Thank you, Lord, that you
0: are with us, that you see the meek, those who feel powerless. Thank you that the kingdom of heaven is for us. Thank you, Lord, for those of us who hunger and thirst for righteousness, all of us here who are wrestling with how can things be made right? Things are so wrong right now, God. We are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Thank you, Lord, that you promise that as we hunger and thirst for you, we will be filled. We hold on to that promise, and we thank you that your kingdom is ours. Lord, I bless the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers.
1: Bring blessing to the peacemakers. Thank you, God, that we get to be your kids
0: Your children are the peacemakers. As your children, we're supposed to be peacemakers. Give us strength for it, Lord. Give us hope for it. Give us, um, help us see you so that we can be peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful, Lord. I bless each person in here, each person listening who extends mercy. Thank you that as we extend mercy, we receive mercy. Thank you, Lord. You know how much I need mercy. And help us, Lord, when we feel persecuted for following these ways of the kingdom, for following you, we say, don't let us turn back. We, we repent of our old ways. We don't want to go that way. We want to follow you, turn to you. We want to follow you in your ways because we know with you, is the way, the truth, the life. You are the bread. You are the water. You are the truth. So we turn to you, we look to you, and we say, we're going to go
1: after you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.